Welcome to the Torah Journey Podcast. My name is Rabbi Ken Brodkin, and I've been a community rabbi for over 15 years. During that time, I've learned that the wisdom of Judaism is powerful, but it's not always easy to understand. Our weekly podcast will enrich your journey and give you practical advice about how to apply the wisdom of Judaism to your life. We'll offer you insights based on the Parsha, current events, the Jewish year, and more. This is the Torah Journey Podcast. It is great to be back with you today. I was amazed when this past June there was a man who was swallowed alive by a whale in Cape Cod. At least that's what he claims. By his own account, Michael Packard was swallowed whole by a humpback whale for about 30 seconds. Outfitted by scuba gear, Packard struggled and the whale began to shake its head. The animal resurfaced and started throwing its head from side to side. And the next thing I knew, I was in the water, he recounted. Now, some people found the story to be rather fishy. However, at least one man believes it. Reiner Schimp, a South African scuba diver, had a similar experience about two years ago. The best part of his story is that there's a picture of Schimp's head sticking out of the whale's mouth to prove it. Now, some people have called Michael Packard a modern-day Jonah. By the way, the odds of being swallowed whole by a whale and surviving without injury are about one in a trillion. Now, what does this have to do with the book of Yonah that we will read shortly on Yom Kippur? The brief answer? Absolutely nothing. In Sefer Yonah, the prophet descended to the very belly of the whale, where he spent three days and three nights. If the modern Jonah story of Michael Packard is highly improbable but possible, the real Yonah story was either completely a supernatural miracle or simply a metaphor. Nevertheless, there still is a parallel between these two stories. Both Yonah the prophet and Michael Packard went through that moment of realization that it's all about to be over. Packard remarked, I was completely inside. It was completely black. I thought to myself, there's no way I'm getting out of here. I'm dead. All I could think about was my boys who are 12 and 15 years old. When the real Yonah was inside the fish, he too confronted his mortality. And Yonah prayed unto Hashem, his God, from the innards of the whale, and he said, I have called out in distress to God, and he answered me. From the belly of the grave, he saved me. He heard my voice. Much like Packard, the prophet stared death straight in the face. Now, people who experience that tend to ponder the most important things in their life. Not surprisingly, the fisherman in Cape Cod prayed to see his children during those seconds. But when Yonah prayed, he davened for something else entirely. You cast me into the depths in the heart of the seas. The rivers surrounded me. All waves passed over me. Then I said to myself, I was driven from before your eyes, but I will again gaze at your holy temple. Here is Yonah in the deepest pit imaginable. Where does he go in his mind's eye? Answer, he went to the base of Mikdash. Yonah envisions going to the temple and vows that he will bring offerings of thanksgiving to Hashem. This is a profound moment because his prayer in the fish contradicts the fact that until now, Yonah has been running away from God. And this point is really key, because after all, Yonah is a man of contradictions. He both runs from God 
and simultaneously wants to be closer to Hashem. We all have contradictions in our own lives. What do they mean for us in our life path at such a time of tshuva as today? In today's Torah Journey podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the mindset of a conflicted man, Yonah the prophet. And from there, we'll consider how to navigate the contradictions in our own lives. Even more astounding than Yonah's prayer from the fish was how he descended to this point. Yonah's path was marked by two phenomenal choices in which he drove himself into the situation. We are introduced to Yonah as the word of God comes to him saying, Kum lechal mit ninveh. Rise up and go to Nineveh, Ha'ir HaGadola, the great city, Ukra Alahaki Alsa Ra'asamalai. Call out to it, for their evilness has come before me. Instead of heeding the divine call to go to Nineveh, Yonah finds a ship at the Yafo port to flee from the land of Israel. The verse spells out the astounding truth. Yonah is running away from God. According to the Sefer Akuzari, this was an effort to leave the land of prophecy to get to a land where he would not face the divine call. No sooner does Yonah enter the boat than the vessel's in great trouble. The sailors naturally call out into their gods in prayer. Yonah, on the other hand, continues his amazing flight pattern. As the verse describes, V'yonah yarad el yarkase asfina v'yishkav v'yeradem. Yonah descended into the bowels of the boat, and he lay down, and he slept. If the prophet wanted to give us an image of spiritual slumber, it could not get any clearer. As his non-Jewish counterparts pray for their lives, Jonah sleeps through the storm. What is the meaning of this confusing contradiction of a Jewish prophet running from God? The captain is not willing to let Jonah sleep. The captain calls Jonah up to main deck, and as the ship tosses in the waves, says, rise up and call out to your God. Perhaps he will relent and we will not be lost. The captain then draws lots to see in whose fortune the travail has come and it's cast upon Yonah. And then the sailor said unto him, tell us now, because of, because of whom has this evil come upon us? What is your work and where are you coming from? What is your land? From which nation are you? In this question, the sailors wanted to understand who this man really is. Listen to Yonah's answer. V'yomer aleham ivri anochi, he said unto them, I am a Hebrew. V'sashem elokei hashemayim va'aretz inirei. I fear Hashem, the God of the heavens. Asher asa esayam v'asayabasha, who has created the sea and the dry land. Yon informs the sailors that his identity is his fear of God, the creator of the very sea that is tossing them about. Yonah has not rejected his identity as a servant of God. This man who's running from Hashem still considers himself God's servant. From this point, he explains to the sailors that their best bet is to throw him overboard. Now, how can we understand Yonah? Is he the servant of God or a rebel in flight? Is he spiritually asleep or is he a prophet? There's two critical ideas here. The first general point is that all people have contradictions. Yonah was a servant of God, but no human being is 100% consistent. A young man once asked me if he should refrain from wearing a yarmulke in public because he's still working on becoming fully tar observant. I said to my friend, 
I'm also still working on becoming fully Torah observant. We all have contradictions, and Yonah was no exception. But that gets us to a second point. Why did Yonah run from the word of God? According to the Radak, Yonah fled from God's word because this calling raised a difficult contradiction. The non-Jewish city of Nineveh, Yonah believed, would repent. And yet the Jewish people, who was assigned as their prophet, did not heed his words very often. And this raised a very uncomfortable contradiction. Here I am, a prophet of God, and my own nation does not listen to me. And in response to this inner turmoil, Yonah sought to flee the word of God, seeking to avoid this difficult contradiction. We all have a natural tendency to avoid uncomfortable matters. What could be a greater act of avoidance than sleeping in the bowels of the ship in the middle of a storm? Oftentimes, people feel called upon to be part of the Jewish community, but we can feel that contradiction. How can I identify with this community and its imperfections? What if the community is too judgmental, not welcoming enough, inconsistent in its values? Someone was recently telling me that he went to a shul a number of months ago and didn't feel welcome because when he went to the restroom, his towel bag got moved to a different seat. He has since struggled to go back to the shul. He wants to do it for his kids, but he feels that inner conflict. Now, Yonah was not only imperfect, but he also wanted to avoid the hard contradictions in life. And that led him to the heart of a stormy sea. There, swallowed by a whale, and realizing that he was alive in the storm inside the whale, was both a slap in the face and a salvation, a saving all at once. When Yonah realized he was alive, subsumed within the fish, the prophet knew that God cared about his life. In that moment, he longed to go back home. As much as he had fled from his home base, he was still the faithful dove that sought to fly home. Until now, Yonah was on a path of descent, leaving his life mission. Now, subsumed within the fish, Yonah realizes that in spite of everything, God is still interested in him. Like most people facing their mortality, Yonah thought about the things that are most important. For most of us, it would be our children, our loved ones, our spouse, perhaps a personal place we love, like our home or the town we grew up in. And yet for Yonah, there was something even greater. I have said that I was driven away from before you, he says. Yet I will once again gaze upon your holy sanctuary. In this black pit, Yonah reconnected with his true identity, the base of Mikdash, the temple, the very place from which the word of God goes forth. Staring at death, he's suddenly ready to go to the places that raise the greatest problems in his life. And so the first climax of this short, of this short book occurs as Jonas spit onto dry land, the land he knew God created. And from that place, the Almighty calls unto him a second time, saying, Rise up and go to Nineveh. The life of Jonah seems distant from our world. What can us moderns gain from his experience? There's really two central ideas that this story raises for our lives. First, we need to embrace ourselves even with the contradictions in our lives. Once a woman went to Rabbi Emanuel Feldman of Atlanta and told him, 
I don't think I'm cut out for Torah living. I can't live with being hypocritical. I love coming to Shul, but some weeks I walk on Shabbos, and other weeks I drive because it's too far. Rabbi Feldman said, you're not being hypocritical. You're just being inconsistent. The simple statement saved her. It's okay to be inconsistent as we're growing in the path of Torah. The fact that we, our community for that matter, are not totally consistent is not a reason to run from the Word of God. As a person who's called me on occasions over the years to discuss various feelings of conflict she has. For example, on the one hand, she found traditional Judaism to value her in a deep way that was empowering. On the other hand, she used to feel that dressing modestly in a, tradi- in a traditional way impinged on her autonomy. And she was able to embrace both herself and the process of exploring Torah as she grew over time. And so to remember to embrace yourself and your community during your path of ascent. Just like Hashem called unto Yonah with his contradictions, he's also calling unto us with our contradictions. Secondly, we not only need to embrace ourselves, but we need to embrace the uncomfortable steps in life. When there's no friction, there's no traction. So the discomfort we try to avoid is actually a good thing. This past summer, my family took a road trip. We ordered a 12-seater van months in advance. We got to the airport in Boston, picked up the van. And in the hour ride home to my parents' house, we realized the van was a gas-guzzling, turbulent lemon. The kids were bouncing off the seats like they were in a roller coaster. For the few days that we were in Massachusetts, I felt conflicted. On the one hand, I was nervous about taking this van and driving 20 hours to Georgia. On the other hand, we're not materialistic people, and we've got a value of being satisfied with what we have. Besides, as from Jews, we didn't want to appear as demanding to the car rental place. Are we really going to schlep back to the airport and get a new 12-seater van amidst a national rental car shortage? Finally, we got up and drove back to Logan Airport. And sure enough, in spite of the national rental car shortage, they found another car for us. As we were driving down the interstate in a beautiful, new, state-of-the-art van, I kept thinking to myself about how I almost just kept the old van because I didn't want the discomfort of demanding a new car. And this became a metaphor for me. There's so much blessing in the world that's waiting for us in our journey. Very often, the next step entails a discomfort that we might want to avoid. Whether it's embracing our shul fully, or a particular mitzvah, or some part of our identity as Jews, there are tricky but important steps ahead. And yet, if we can see that step as necessary, there's likely to be some great bracha, blessing, waiting behind that door. And you will never know unless you open that door. So as you move forward in your life, embrace yourself and your community with all of our contradictions. And as you find your next uneasy, unnerving steps, know that Hashem is calling upon you. Rise up and go to Ninveh. I'm Ken Brodkin. And this is the Torah Journey Podcast.